Hello everyone, this is Jose Herrera with the O3XX series. Today's special guest is Lee Novotny, also known as Trash Fire Actual. Lee Novotny served in the United States Army as an engineer. He is a multi-tour combat veteran, having deployed to Iraq and Afghanistan. After working overseas protecting American diplomats, Lee returned home to pick up what he enjoyed most, field craft, weapons training, and traversing the wilderness. In a secondary role, Lee instructs and moderates forums online for individuals looking to begin training, hunting, or purchasing weapons and gear. You can find his work on YouTube and Instagram. We hope you enjoy our discussion. Simfidelis. I'm going to record on this computer. Um, yeah, man. So, shit, man. It's been a minute. I see you still got that cough. <laughs> yeah. I still smoke. I still smoke. Yeah, dude. So, so I, I watch your videos and I get envious because I'm not in the fucking woods doing the Lord's work. I remember when I got out in 2011, there's like, like where I'm at in Wilmington, that used to be a bunch of like woodland type areas. And I used to like, like I had like this like little backpack and I used to carry like my katanas and my blades. And I used to go in the woods and just do it up. And it was crazy because there's nobody. So we lived in this condominium where maybe there was like a dozen people, but it was for like 300 people, 400 people, but nobody was there. So for like two years, I just, you know, would go off into the woods and just jack trees up, dude, and do my thing. And uh, now I can't do that because everything's just built up. So I get envious when I see you doing all that stuff, man. I'm like, man, that's that's what's up. Right on, man. Thank you. I uh, I am pretty fortunate in where I live and also my proximity. I already live kind of out in the middle of nowhere. Um my state has a lot of public land and land use permit areas. And that's probably something that uh, you guys want to talk about is how to find those spots and stuff. But um, mostly where you guys see me shoot, it's what it's, it's a land use area that you uh, rent permits from the owner or leasee. Uh, specifically, that is a, a lease of government public land to a private company who then sells tags um by essentially first come first serve there's so many tags they're not expensive uh nothing i do right now is expensive uh, i kind of wanted to do like a a little series on basically entry level like uh stuff and equipment and things verse not verse but you know alongside because a lot of people put like the gear stuff in a dichotomy of like this versus that you know but i like to look at it more like uh if you're younger or like you're my age and like more or less like switching stuff around you might have something that's really nice that's fine but like if if you're like looking to get information from me you're probably wanting like the lower end stuff first because like if you're if you're seeking information or like you enjoy you know my content i guess you could say you, you're probably not like an Ipsic grand champion. You, know, you, don't, you don't need, you don't need anything like that unless you're just there for the memes. <laughs> yeah. So what, what do most people ask you? Is it more so like weapon system components or is it like uh, tactics? I get most, sorry, mostly I get asked uh, AK questions, uh, weird, like eclectic stuff. That's like, Hey, what finish do the Romanians use for like their, Type 63 rifle or M63, whatever they call it. Uh, the Wassers and 
sugar imports, you know, stuff like that. Like, oh, what, what's the thread pitch on this? Hey, did you guys have any trouble? Like, uh, I've been running AK since 2004, late 2004, after the assault weapons ban. We got a bunch of uh, cheap AKs in and uh, Colts and stuff, but we couldn't afford Colts because we were poor high school kids. So we, we bought AKs for like 200 bucks, like Yugos and Romanians and Chinese ones. And um, back then you could get Russian Saegas, but the, the conversions were a little more expensive. I get, I get asked a lot of AK questions, gear, how to find spots, uh, gear a lot. Like, hey, you know, if I buy this, you know, if this is a piece of shit or sorry for person, but um, there's camping stuff. I mean, this kind of what I do is like, it gets pretty infinite, I guess you could, cause like it goes everywhere from vehicles to like weapon systems and camouflage patterns and stuff like that, radio systems. <laughs> like I have to nerd out on a lot of different things to put out a little bit of information and not look like an idiot because I put out like incorrect information. Yeah, no, definitely. I'm not a, a gun guy. I've never really been a gun guy. I shoot guns. I've been shooting guns since I was six years old, man. Um, and I've always had like the basic fundamentals down. Um, but I am a tactics and strategies guy. I like planning ops. And so that's kind of like my bread and butter there. So I use that as my, my main motive, I guess, if I had anything to offer. But guns, man, I've never been a gun guy. I like blades and it must be my, you know, my, my Aztec heritage or something. <laughs> it's more, it's more personal. You gotta be out close. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's that. Yeah. That most of yeah, Some of the content reminds me of the, the movie, the hunted man. And I see like in one of the, one of the photos that you sent me, you have like a tracker and one of your, like um, your belts. I have a mini tracker, a mini Tom Brown tracker. I don't know if you've ever seen that uh, knife. Uh, the BK series. I think so. Have you ever seen the movie The Hunted with Benicio? Yeah, yeah. Benicio del Toro is just up here, up uh, like I think it was filmed like forty-five minutes away from here. Yeah, yeah, that's right in Oregon. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I have a, I have that, <laughs> that brain. But no, man, that's what's up. Um, so let's rewind a little bit. How did you, how did you get into all that? Um, so I, I yeah, same same as you. I wasn't. A gun guy. I grew up shooting guns. My great grandpa, Marine Corps World War II vet, uh, came back with like, he was a gun guy and a hunter and a custom gun guy. So he took as many guns back with him as he could. Uh, like, he was an officer as well. So I guess he probably got away with a little bit more than like a private would. But um, he, he took a lot of guns back with him. And then I think that kind of fueled him into collecting. So during his time frame after World War II, you could uh, you could just buy a machine gun from the mail. You just gave the money and you just could get a machine gun at your doorstep. So I was fortunate enough that um, I grew up like as a as a kid in like uh, middle school age and stuff. I would go out to his ranch and shoot, and I shot a lot of machine guns, and that's all I ever wanted to do. So I kept you know, and uh, I kept doing that, but. I, I never got into like how guns work, the actions of them, like what parts I need. 
um, shit like that. Like what system should I run? What's ideal? What should I experiment with? Um, even when I was in the army, I, I was just a machine gunner. So like, I like those, but I didn't know like about like ARs and shit. Like everybody was nerding out about ARs and I was like, those are kind of like weak, dude. Why would you want one of those? I want one of these. <laughs> but then I got out and it, it, it was like, okay, well, you know, I'm, I'm a guy. Well, I'm, you know, I moved back in with my parents for a little bit or whatever before I got a place. Cause I moved back from uh, Europe <laughs> and, uh, I was like, okay, I got to buy a gun to like, you know, protect my shitty apartment that I'm going to get in the hood now that I'm out. And, uh, <laughs> you know, so it's like, fuck, I should get an AR-15. And then, you know, my buddy, he was, a, you know, soft guy and stuff. And he was like, oh, well, this and that. And then I started like, well, I'm not going to like buy a shitty car or truck. So I started looking into it a bunch, you know, and I just learned and learned and learned and I fucked up and I, you know, learned more and I fixed it or I gave it off and they fixed it. And I learned to never do that again. Um, kind of like being your own, like army guy on your own, like you have like to set up your systems, getting out, like, uh, not necessarily like weapon systems, but just your systems of life. And I knew I wanted to shoot guns and I didn't have an armor anymore, like to hook me up with like, Hey, dude, put the fucking alpha rail on my shit. Or, like, you know, can you do this? And, like, homie would always do that for us. So I never had to worry about shit except zeroing it and shooting it and looking cool. So, like, um, I was I was completely, like, it's like AR-15 is AR-15. And there's a lot of variance to that and stuff. But you, you can't really have a, a AR I guess, and be like duty grade without doing a bunch of research on it. Um, you can end up with a, a, a kind of a copy, like a knockoff, like a like essentially what you would think of as like a Chinese knockoff. It, like if you you saw the gun, you'd be like, that's an M16. I used to carry one of those. That's an M4. I used to carry one of those. But in reality, it's not built quite to like the specifications or the parts aren't made out of the same stuff or you know it they might have like uh quality issues when assembled like but they look the same externally to like the average consumer they're like it ar-15 is ar-15 like why would i spend four thousand dollars on one versus four hundred dollars and um Basically, I had to learn, like, the gamut of those. Uh, I already knew AKs, like, and those are kind of weird knowledge. Um, one of the best knowledge sources is uh, Mishiko. He's a blind dude from uh, out where you're at, and he uh, he's probably the, the foremost AK expert as far as um, varieties and stuff here on YouTube, but he just does it with his hands. And he's blind. And, uh, yeah, he's blind. He's straight up blind, but he can like feel different types of AKs. I don't know what it is, dude. <laughs> can you shoot? Dude, I have a meme of him shooting. Like, that's what I think about gun safety. And he said, I'm blind. I'm straight up old school. And then he's like mag dumping a fucking AK. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta look that up. I gotta look that up. Bro, wow. dude, he's he's good peeps. <laughs> is he is he Japanese? No, he's uh I think he's like ethnically Slav or something, Misha. Okay. He said Misha gone. I thought immediately some like Japanese. <laughs> like, oh, no, yeah. no, he's, he's a, he's a dude. I think he, 
that's crazy. He's about fifty or something, but he doesn't let his uh, his uh, fucking blindness get in the way of what he wants to do, and I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's badass, man. Yeah, but it's essentially the same with gear. Like, I wasn't like, I, I went into the service at a young age, so like, I wasn't in anything. I was a skateboarder and I played sports. So, I, I mean, I could like work on my car, but I, I was. 16 like if i told you i could build an engine apart and back together in one day i'd be bullshitting you so it's like you know there's there's just an amount of knowledge that most people had at 16 which is fucking almost nothing so i just kind of went with that for a while and i was running and playing football and rugby and uh wrestling and shit you know i'm fucking not really an expert in anything so i got out and i was just basically an expert on like demolitions and machine guns fire and that is about it <laughs> What year did you uh, go into the army? Uh, Two thousand six. Oh six. Yeah. What What was your uh, first duty? Uh, Fort Hood, Texas, with Third ACR right there, and uh, got there. Had to do a couple quick things, and then we took off to Mosul in oh seven. I got there in October of oh six. Oh seven, we got to Mosul. Oh nine is when we got back, and then I left again and. 2010 and got to Kalzu, got back in 11 and then uh went to germany went to kabul from 12 to 13 got back to germany admiral mcraven had made that rule that you have to have like x amount of polo time within like i might be talking shit but i believe it was like 700 or so days and out of like those 700 or so days you if you have like X amount of days deployed, you couldn't deploy for like a while. Did you so call it? Did you? Did you call it pillow time? Yeah, I think it was called pillow time. Is that like like your rest cycle or like non-deployed time? Well, it, because the op tempo was so high during that time period, yeah. uh, the fighting intensity at the start was very high, and then it, it drastically reduced. But um, they they demanded uh, that because dudes essentially out of seven hundred days, which I believe that's like two years or so, and it was like seven hundred and change, I believe, to make it two years. And if like you were deployed most of the time out of that two years, you had like a non-deployable time. Until right. Right that number fell below a certain uh, thing. So every day that, that you're not deployed, it's fallen below a certain thing. Right. But I just had too much. Uh, Did you? So, so you guys were doing, when you were active, you guys were doing uh, the 15-month deployments? Uh, no. So my first tour was, uh, like, scheduled for 12, but we ended up doing, like, 16 uh did they let me cut in did they send did you get to come home or did you get a leave break in the middle of that not in the middle i was so i was married to this fucking chick that said she was pregnant (laughs) and i was like oh fuck it dude i'm not trying to get sued over some fucking baby bills like let's get let's get married up i'll get a fucking apartment and shit like that so I snagged one of those, you know, you know, did a little, did a little on the, on the top end of that because we're, we're in the south. And uh, tur- you know, she had the baby, got a fraternity test. Turns out it wasn't mine. Oh. But like, she was fucking pregnant, right? When I left, but that shit didn't bug me none because like we we're just fucking around. I was like, yeah, whatever. Like, it wasn't like that. But like, uh, <clears throat> I fucking 
was gone like two months, two or three months. The minimum, I was like the first guy to go on leave because like your wife's pregnant. Oh, you oh, so man. you left early on. Yeah. yeah, so I had to do like it was like a year and like two months straight or some shit. <laughs> like for a Whoa. year and a month. <laughs> That's always been like any time you know, I we we talk or I talk to army guys <laughs> that have like deployed like that. I'm always like, did you go home? Because that's just such a weird concept to me. I, I can't, I don't, I still don't understand who thought or thinks that's a good idea. Like, it's fucking insane, especially for dudes coming out of real kinetic situations. Then you're home within 48 hours for two weeks and then like. No adjustment. Yeah, that's crazy. Dude, it was the shit. It was so fucking, I was, I was saying I wanted to stay there and like, just, just let me kick it. Cause I got home. Yeah. I like instantly was like, Hey, can you get cocaine? <laughs> like, you know, like, <laughs> you need I was to down to fucking just party. Cause I didn't think I, you know, if I, I, I got 18 days of R&R &R and you watch the Vietnam movies and shit and they're, they're getting down with mama songs and shit and doing some blow crashing beers. Fucking, yeah. you know, it's, so I was like, fuck it, dude, I'm living fast right now. I might as well live fast. But yeah, I was drunk driving everywhere. Fucking Yeah. I can't, I can only imagine that. Right. Like you, you come out of this environment. I, that would be like, what's real. You know what I mean? I would be, you know, you have a few yeah, too dude. many beers and then you're just like, where, like, you come out of that situation and I don't know. That's just, I, yeah, I, I never really like, you know, if I'm being honest, I never really cared. Like it never bugged me that much, but like I was amped and like feeling good. I, I like, I knew yeah. coming back that like, I knew, I knew I was safe. Like I've never suffered with any sort of like PTSD symptoms or anything that I've noticed. Maybe like minor ones, but like, especially here, here in Oregon, it's like it's safe, you know, especially right. back then before like the homeless crisis and the, the like roving liberal gangs and shit like that. But like it, it, it's always been like safe where I've lived at to the point of like silliness. Like, if, you know, if I was in a situation like other dudes would be in that situation, it's it's nothing but farmers and like just tough ass Mexican cowboys. Everybody carries a gun. What are you? <laughs> There's there's not going to be anything that, like, you know, someone tries, like, robbing you up in a store or something like that. That dude's going to get vocals in him. So, but I want to kind of I want to kind of challenge you on that, because I feel like you saying it's safe is probably more so due to your ability and your, you know, what you know. Right. So, like, an environment to you might feel a lot safer than the average person that doesn't have any type of skill set or or knowledge based on like survival in certain situations would you, you know, say you're, that? i i think you're absolutely right there probably because like uh just like let, let's say like a homeless guy right like you're walking up the street and a homeless guy is like rah, 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 getting all crazy on you right someone who doesn't encounter that very often might be like pretty fucking scared yeah but most of the time they're just like schizophrenic and they won't do shit and that's just kind of how they talk right <laughs> Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah, like I've had that happen to me. Danger level versus like your perceived danger level. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That, especially if you don't have like insights or you've like, you know, dealt with those kind of people before. Like, you're like, holy fuck, this dude's going to kill me. <laughs> right. Yeah. But, um, no, up here, it's like the, the violent crime stats are just like super duper low. I don't think I've, I don't, you know, 
I, I've never seen like a robbery out here in my life. I've seen robberies other places, like in the south. <laughs> like, Wait, you guys, is, I'm not trying to pinpoint it very much. You guys got a lot of legalized drugs up there. Yes. Yeah. yeah. We, so, like, our problem primarily is like, like, is if you look at like crime and stuff like that, is going to come from the homeless population because mm. not only do we have a lot of legalized drugs, but we also have like a lot of uh, benefits and stuff like that that kind of arguably might attract homeless people to an area and because compoundedly drugs are also relatively legal and like the police can't do anything about like a dude like injecting drugs in like a public area necessarily they, they might be able to do that like a public intox but like right the system's so jammed up that you'll get you'll get dudes that are like well we can just it might not be for the resources it might just essentially be so they can use hardcore narcotics like without worry of uh getting in trouble for it right and then on the other front would be like uh there's uh in portland i would say is is the main issue it's just urban urbanized life like when you when you put a ton of people together you get like a lot of weird stuff right you know it's uh, i was and i don't you know whether you know this guy or whatever you feel about him, it was Adam Curry. He was a MTV VJ, like back in the late eighties, nineties. Anyway, he's, he's like the guy that started podcasting like before it was even a thing. Right. Yeah. 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 He just started uploading random bullshit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And like, so he was like one of the first, anyway, I was listening to an interview with him like earlier in the week or last week. And it was an interesting stat. I'm sure Jose probably knew this, but I, it kind of blew me away. He said that the number one cause for homelessness or the number one reason, you know, somebody becomes homeless is is catastrophic loss of family. That's the number uh, one leading cause. And I didn't really I dig in. Say that. I would okay. say that's I would say that is a misinterpretation. OK, so um if you if you pile in like catastrophic loss of family with like them essentially being like ostracized by their family yes but usually the number one cause is like mental health then drug addiction coupled because well there's two factors to it right what, what do you do when you take medicine right like antibiotics you get the drip you get you know a z-pack for a seven day you, you pop them in yeah. you're better you're done right right that's how a lot of people with like schizophrenia feel about their medication. Like I'm better now. And they just stop uh, taking it. And then they slip back down into the wiggles and they get weird again. Uh, bipolar disorder, same thing. There's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, not, and, and people mistake it for like destructive. And it's not necessarily that like aggressive, like s- essentially psychotic behavior might not actually net like violence. It might just, they just like yell and like move really. Cause that's, that's just kind of what they do. But um, yeah, I would say the leading causes would be mental health coupled with addiction issues. And those are usually out of uh, self-medication. And right. they're just a lot, you know, off and on maybe schizophrenia medication, bipolar disorder. Um, there's a, a litany of other things. Uh, severe PTSD, a lot of them have uh, uh, trauma abuse from family. So they might not necessarily be ostracized in in a sense because of their own actions but they might be ostracized because like they grew up and their dad used to like butt fuck them until they were like 15 right and then like 
you know, they told their mom about it and now they're kicked out of the house and they're not allowed to talk to their parents anymore. And like sure. now that kid's like, you know, 34 in a complete wreck because he, he was like abused or like physically physical abuse. Uh, like, and I mean, like legitimate physical abuse too. like dudes that have parents that like beat the shit out of them. And then on the on the flip side of that is dudes that had a relatively normal childhood uh, went into the service, got out, and uh, they kind of just either had too hard of a time in the service, and it it, it really it, it really did a number on them. And through either pride or um, lack of knowledge, haven't like you know necessarily gotten their stuff squared away with their mental stuff in order to get the rest of their life squared away. Cause that's, you know, that's kind of like square one with people is like your mental health and how, how are you doing? And like, yeah, yeah. That's if you don't have, if you don't have those ducks in a row, maybe not necessarily that you, that you were like a hardcore combat vet and it broke you. But like a lot of the vets I see that are homeless are like, you know, maybe not necessarily like hardcore wartime vets, but they they did like a time in service and then, you know, they they got out and their their dad died and they have PTSD from that, which yeah. I mean is a traumatic event. But you, you kind of have to keep on keeping on and like do it up for the rest of your fam, you know. No, I agree. I agree a hundred percent. I I think you know, of course, I didn't. I can't speak on this with certainty, and I wouldn't even try to. But it kind of made me think after he said that because I was like, okay, and I do know, you know, what you're saying, mental that's that's obviously it has to get to that point before you decide or or become homeless right so if you lose imagine being in a situation where you like rely on somebody in your day-to-day and then that person's gone you might be a somewhat stable individual and then that happens which leads you down this path of destructive behavior because you don't know but it all ties into his point he was making it was that having a sense of community whether that be in your individual personal life every day or like group things that you do, how important it is. And he was saying that there was some church, I don't know where I'm not, I'm just kind of given the gist of what the, the overview it was. The point he was making was that there was a church that took in a ton of homeless people in this area. Cause they had, were having you know issues with it. And they started this, like, I don't want to call it like a, like a camp but that's basically what it was they were housing like a large number of homeless people but they were making them like not making them but giving them options for like work jobs there gardening like having people bring cars in and doing car washing and it like revitalized these people's lives because they had i'm not saying it works in every situation but they they had a sense of community again right and i was just like damn like i I'm kind of like you, I, I feel like in a way where I'm just like, uh, you know, I'll be good. That can never be me. But like, I don't know, because I haven't lived through that type of a, event before. Like if everyone in my <laughs> fucking life just disappeared, I would probably be on a rocky road if I didn't have homies that I know I could lean on, you know. Yeah, we have a we have a business and uh, there's a there's a train track like one of the one of the busier ones on the East Coast directly behind our our store, and like I see people all the time riding in them carts, dude. 
And I'm like, wow, you know, it's, you know, me being whatever sheltered you want to call it or just privileged or whatever. I'm just like, holy, like, this is, that's a real thing. They stopped stopped calling them hobos, right? That's what they used to call it, right? No, they still, so that's like a a designation for themselves. There's like, uh, even uh, like within that subculture, there's like a a symbol system. Damn, they got like rank structure and shit. Like, yeah, dude. Well, they'll like the f- they'll write shit and like, yeah, dude. They, they leave notes for each other, dead drops. Like, wow, dude. Like straight up, like, oh, here's a quarter of a ciggy butt for the next guy. <laughs> Damn, Damn. Dude, for real, for real. We, we have a, a similar problem. Well, before COVID, um, Wilmington was considered like an opioid center. Like, it wasn't like ranked in the top ten cities with like opioid use and it was like a hush hush thing around here that's weird on the east coast too yeah and um there's all this development taking place i think there's like less than 10 percent like wooded wooded areas in this county but a lot of these folks used to just do it up in the woods man and after you know all these projects started going down a lot of that stuff started getting you know cycled through but a lot of people came here because there's a lot of yeah dude yeah human weather man you know it pushes it pushes people through and um you know on a on a more like uh security environment right if i want to flood you know if i want to you know hook up with a sinaloa cartel pump fentanyl so that the fentanyl could hit the streets in specific states so that i can disrupt the nuclear family that i'm going to cause or weaponize um domestic migration uh, and that's kind of, you know, that's kind of how I see it, uh, you know, with some of the uh, the overall like things taking place with the flow of the opioid or at least what what fentanyl is doing. But um, oddly, we haven't heard much from it. And, you know, I think people get tired of, of hearing that for a very long time. There was like, you know, the 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 platform that a lot of these politicians and a lot of these community members were like, we're going to eradicate homelessness. But, you know, I remember at the, you know, March of 2020, they were building, they were putting up freaking massive tents so that they could, you know, get the homeless out of the woods so that it wouldn't give each other COVID because they were still around. And so, I mean, you know, out of sight, out of mind, I think it's still going on today, but it's very, it's very much, um, become smaller as a result of all the development. So I don't know where, I don't know. You probably had, a, you, they probably all went to, to Oregon, man, because there's not that many s- services anymore around here and money's got transferred elsewhere um, due to the response to COVID. And I think a lot of it went to um, education programs, um, specifically the elementary and the high school uh, components. So a lot of these folks just, you know, cycled through some gnarly I- shit, man. No, no, I totally dig. And I, I used to be on, like, the bootstrap side, like, oh, fucking, you know, you can get yourself up by your bootstraps. But I kind of think that, like, some people need help. And it doesn't matter if they're from, like, you know, Virginia, North Carolina, Massachusetts. If they come out here, I mean, they're Americans. They need help. And, like, if they if they travel interstate, like, a lot of people get, like, mad at that and stuff. Like, you're sucking up state resources. And, yeah, they fucking are. But at the same time, like, they're still Americans and they need help. And, like, just, like, you know, it, if, if you're in the service and you got a shit bag, right, and, like, you don't like them, but, like, they still need to perform, 
you got to get them squared up. Like you got to get them online. And like, maybe, maybe once they do that, it turns into like a redeemable thing and, and you do end up liking them. And, and I kind of feel that way about like everybody here. Like I'm not like a political guy or anything. Like I try to stay away from politics. Cause like, well, one, I own a lot of guns and shit and I like post stuff and, and I'm like, you know, I genuinely don't watch the news and remain apolitical just so if I ever like post something too spicy and get like <laughs> hit up by the federales, like you know, I can be like, I'm actually not political at all. I'm a fucking registered independent and these are jokes. <laughs> yeah, and I mean on that point, I I kind of feel the same way. Of course, we all I feel like we all lean a certain way no matter what and agree or disagree with certain things. But you know, when you're talking about like a homeless issue and and people being upset because you got people coming in and, and, you know, sucking the resources up. That's kind of why it's, it's, I have a personal huge issue with us sending so much money out of this country to help other people. Because at that point you're, you're saying, if you're not putting money into these programs, like you're saying to help American citizens, but you're willing to, you know, tap the taxpayers checks and send it out of here. What, how does that make sense? No, I, I, I am, I am on that side. Like, I, I don't believe that we should be just like hand over fisting money to like another country yeah. while we have a crisis going on. Right. But especially like, you know, like in Ukraine and Russia in the grand screen, scheme of things, if like Ukraine becomes a, a Russian state, like it, it doesn't affect us at all. Like yeah. mainly we should be trading with Russia as best we can. That's it's mutually beneficial for us to work together. We traditionally always have, we've always had really good relations, but there was just a short window during part of Soviet communism. And then now that like, you know, trade and stuff is not normalized and we're looking at anything that they do is like adversarial. Whereas yeah. it, in the scheme of things, it doesn't matter. Like, yes, Russia is a nuclear power. Russia's economy isn't that great, and they're trying to make it better. And, like, if we help them make it better, we'd probably end up with a lot of cool products out of it, and they'd probably end up with a lot of cool products out of it and, like, quality of life improvements. Well, and that's kind of, yeah, I mean, I'm not trying to get too conspiratorial, but it's like, you know, if you, if you could take those funds and put them into programs here to make people's lives better and make them, you know, better contributors. And what, like, what's, what's the downside to that? Um, almost done. Like, I, I completely agree. Like it just, I, I was kind of like, I guess it's going on <laughs> on a tangent, but um, yeah, I don't think that our money is well spent um, over there doing that as verse to here, helping our own people. Right. Because ultimately we're essentially just, pissing away money in my viewpoint like yeah the the outcome of ukraine is meaningless to the day-to-day of american lives um, i mean dude it's 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 unbelievable the way, like we had maybe we had a handful of javelin systems like when we were in afghanistan in 2009 mm-hmm. and everybody's all like damn like sick and then they're just like pallets and pallets and like hundreds of that well i don't know if hundreds of thousands but thousands of javelin systems are just going it's like wait, wait a second dude where where's all our munitions when we need them and it's like i you know I, of course i'm salty about shit like that but it's just like i know those things aren't cheap what what are we doing yeah dude, um, we spent 67 billion so far uh yeah that's it. yeah tons of money and that's yeah. one year not even one full year yet of war i mean that's incredible 
Like, I, I'm not trying to just piss on this the whole time, but it's just when, when you're no, yeah. talking about homeless people and helping them and having systems like I agree with you. They're Americans, whether they fell into bad times or mental is shit or whatever, like help them spend whatever is necessary to help these people possibly be able to contribute again. Right. Like, is that not? Yes. Right. Well, and I mean, not in the in the way that the, that the government I don't know how much of this I want to hear, but the way the government's dealing with it now through non-government organizations is probably the right way because, like, you want to avoid things like, yeah, yeah, yeah. oh, you're indoctrinate because there's always a flip side to like the good thing, like, oh, it's a government indoctrination camp. So, like, you kind of we're a Christian organization that helps people, and it's like we're not indoctrinating people; it's just normal like life skills, like right. Make your fucking bed, you know, kind of shit, and just, yeah, you know, not you to said that, like everyone should have pussy to rent, but like, <laughs> you know, like stop smoking fucking drugs, and you can we'll, we'll get you a fucking barracks bed in the back, and you don't have to sleep in the low barrier part. You can go in the back and like actually have like a barracks bunk right. and like start getting your life together. We have we have like some major projects in the work that are like, uh, you know. I'm going to try to build like a, a concrete fucking essentially. Cause like one of the problems is these dudes, the other pro Oh dude, they'll fucking totally just forgot this one, but it's kind of shit talk. Uh, so you're like a crazy tweaker, right? You rent an apartment and you got like kids and a bunch of cats in an apartment and your boyfriend punches a bunch of holes in the wall and you're like a hoarder. They will fucking put that essentially on your credit, dude, on like your rental credit. So you're not getting another place. Wow. Like, and you've just, you've just put yourself into homelessness because, like, you didn't change your litter box. You were, like, methed out for a week, passed out, like, on your down cycle, and your boyfriend, like, punched so you, holes so, in your walls. So, you, they're like, people have, like, a renter's credit score? Yeah, everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Everywhere. Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, yeah, you, you'll, uh, yeah. Cause, like, you can do, like, you know, especially depending on how much, like, rent is where you live let's say like you're up here and it's like a thousand bucks a month for like a one bedroom and like your deposit is probably a thousand bucks and then you right. gotta do first month so it's like two thousand you can punch like 10 grand worth of oh, yeah. like <laughs> so so what like the landlord can like look up your information before they yeah and they you sue to... you yeah they take you to court and sue you so there's like legal evidence and they'll no 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 because no, no. you like did like x amount of dollars worth of damage yeah no i meant like if say you got evicted for the all this shit and then you go to a different state and try to rent there they can look you up and pull up that you're like Possibly based on your FICO score might have something indicating that you have like $9,000 paid off for a debt. And there is usually uh, descriptors in your FICO score of like oh, what the shit. debt is yeah. for and who it's to. Gotcha. And like they, they can put it together pretty easy, especially if they're also a rental agency or like a bank or whatever. Right. They're going to be like, okay. And then they call them and then they're like, yeah, no, he, he owes us $9,000 because his $1,000 deposit only covered a portion of like the piss stains and the hole punches. Yeah. And like, they're like, yeah, so you can't rent here. Um, there's a lot of people uh, interest in one state. Like, so like, I know in the South, they have a, a specific renter's credit score system. And that I've seen has forced people into uh, long-term hotel living. Wow. 
that would otherwise rent like cheap apartments. But um, that that's kind of it's shooting yourself in the foot, you know. But at the end of the day, it's it's hard to feel sorry for those people and be like, all right, but like, just like we had this kid Sullivan that was like a complete fucking just loser, crazy guy, right? But you still got to at least try to pick him up. You know, even if he's a lost cause, like, so I figured to build a, build a little, uh, multifamily out of concrete, uh, 600 square feet per, uh, per two bedroom, single people share them just at like fucking rock bottom price. And also probably going to build a farm, uh, just to cycle the ones who do want to recuperate a detox facility, like, like fully recuperate and reintegrate, like shit like that like you know you're gonna learn how to run a cashier spot and stuff like that but um we have a lot of funding coming in and stuff so it's good but like it's just it's challenging to to know what'll work because with like humans you got to be kind of fluid and and like Mm -hmm. mobile because you might offer like a program and it might have unintended results. Like the needle exchange might just bring you a bunch of junkies that have nothing to like, they're just there to kill themselves essentially. Yeah. Like there's dudes that are, you can't help. They don't want it. Yeah. Yeah. Chronic homelessness is a, it's a tough pickle to crack, man. Um, yeah. Sorry for going on about that for so long, guys. That's fucking. No, it's good, man. Yeah, that's good. Um, I had that conference. I was telling Polly that I had a, basically a six hour workshop or lab yesterday with um uh, two of my mentors that are um they're sf guys or or mark was force recon and phil was a green beret and um they're on the they're on the precipice of establishing uh i guess a a model uh, for the public um specifically for security purposes um there's some like the forefathers of tactics and strategies um, like individual readiness stuff as a civilian or like yeah yeah like yeah yeah nope. and, dude i love that shit so that's that's kind of like my bread and butter now i guess yeah they they, they yeah they're they call it uh the carver uh the carver method they're using the carver matrix uh training tool but yeah. a, 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 in a different specifically for, for like civilians and whatnot but it's going to be a little bit more um it's going to be a lot more vetted process just because of the, the climate that we're in today. We don't know who's working for who, um, you know, yeah. I, don't know, I don't know if you ever watch any like, um, like Mike Glover and American contingency and like what happened to him. You know what I'm saying? No, like, I fucking dude. So like that dude, I heard he like, they, the federalities hit him up and he like just started like telling people names and shit like that or something. I don't, I don't know and about like, that. I just know that they went after, um, well, they got labeled as a right wing extremist group because they were teaching field craft and survival and basically doing security analysis of locations across the United States that were, um, you know, you could potentially find yourself in a situation and be a victim of that. And Dude, 2020, 2021, that was a crazy yeah, time period. Yeah, there's definitely you know? some stuff. You, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, So he's like, here's how you do a terrorist attack. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, too, I think part I think part of it, too, and I don't know the name of his, like, I don't want to even call him, like, a watchdog group, but, like, they, he's part of affiliated no. with this group that 
will respond to like natural disaster type shit. I think there was like big flooding issues somewhere and like they went and like pulled people out of the fucking flooded homes and stuff. I don't know. But yeah, he got like blacklisted as yeah. Um but dude, yeah. you know, people are going to be attracted to you know, people are people who don't have the right mindset or maybe the right mental model or psychological space that see your content, they're going to be attracted to it. And, you know, they're going to bring their, their baggage with them. You know, I'm not saying that this is everybody, uh, but you know, you know, it's going to happen. And I'm sure you can speak to that. (laughs) So, um, yeah, I kind of, I don't like doing like the, the status quo or like normal stuff. Cause it like, like the bro vet stuff and like the, cause I don't really take myself all that seriously. I don't want to be like the guy that's like, Oh, like my Glover, like doing a, a fucking threat assessment of a fucking like literal specific area and being like the LAPD shift changes at 10. <laughs> fucking crazy yeah. ass shit. Like, <laughs> but like, I, I, I like, yeah, sure. Look and maybe think that in your head is an intrusive thought, but like, definitely don't publish that stuff. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. You don't, you don't want to, you don't want to be doing like, you don't want to be doing public security assessments of like government agencies. Like they, they don't like that at all. That's, that's one of those things they really hate. Um, Yeah. Well, you know, to that note, um, you know, that's not what, you know, Mark or Phil are attempting to do. Um, but I will say this, and this is something that I've been speaking to, is that the majority of you know Americans don't realize that they're now part of the security and operational environment. They have no choice but to be in it. You know that's what great power competition is. That's what yes. we're that's what we're seeing. And as a result of that, yes. most people don't have a, a mental model of how to approach uh, what I would call ultra compounded spaces, right? Similar to like a, a three block warfare type mindset, or maybe. You know, the futurist type where it's a fourth or fifth block type thing where one moment you're in transition to, you know, your work. But all of a sudden, you know, there's a portion of that, you know, area that you, you know, may have like a low SES, a low community resilience factor where people are upset and all of a sudden they're rioting that day or, or maybe they're, you know, protesting and it's stopped traffic. You don't know what's going on. You know, there might be potential threat actors, right? People don't have the... I absolutely agree with that. And, like, there's, like, uh, we talked about right before we went on up in Portland, they'll have, like, flash TCPs, uh, like, different um, groups, politically motivated groups, uh, either through channels or through boredom will create flash TCPs, small areas, beat cars up. You won't see about it on the news unless someone dies, but um, there's there's a lot of things to, to consider, like, when... You know, yeah, like we were talking about where I got out fucking like you get out, you're you're your own guy. And now like, oh, you have you have to fucking consider security stuff. And like you have to like you have a family. So it's like, okay, what's my threat level? What do I do if this happens? What do I do if that happens? What happens in my actual area? And like Portland's a shithole. It's a wasteland now. Not really. I mean, there's still business and shit going on. But like it is like a de facto criminal wasteland to where people can like openly assault you, rob you, steal from you, steal from stores, openly do sell trade narcotics, like black market stuff just out on the streets. And it's, it's overrun with blight. And it's like a, 
a completely different place than it was in the 90s when I was a kid, you know? That was, like, the start of all the Cali people moving up and, like, it being a nice, like, area, up-and-coming yuppie place. Now it's a fucking insane place. It's just weird and insane. There's, like, RV camp towns and stuff that are just, like, on a lot. And the, the city police can't keep up with moving all the, the zones. And, like, those zones essentially create, like so much overwhelm for the city that they've had to create their own department, the community resources department. And those are the ones that will end up policing like Antifa after they beat the fuck out of your truck and that you drove through their TCP. It's not like the guns police. They have guns, but like the, the people that are going to, uh, to respond to those events um, are not uh, the they're not going to get in trouble is essentially what I'm saying. So like you, you're dealing with an area that that might be completely outside of your fucking brain's wheelhouse. You're some dude that worked in tech in California and you move up here and it's like, well, I live out in the middle of kind of nowhere, but like right next to Portland, like, am I safe to go into town? Is my wife safe to go into town or day to day? What happens? Natural disaster, this or that, like, knowing all that and being able to survive out outside and like have your own systems in place is like is super duper important to me but like i play it off like it's it's a joke so i i don't mean to offend the the anybody that's like one way set former another like they're all doing like good work for the communities but like mike glover said you shouldn't drive fire and i was like you're fucking dumb like in terms of like is your like um Clicking in, clicking in, like it means like running the action dry without m- munition in it because a lot of people say it's bad, but you know, it's fine. Uh, it's fine for for most. You got a uh, at man for most firearms. Yeah, you got a at Anyway, um, but yeah, yeah. So dig- like, <laughs> one of the things I do is uh, I, I just go out in the woods and I test gear and I shoot at stuff. I I try to do little like quick like informational like you know ticks and tips and tricks and it's hard with the gun community because there's like I, I mostly am targeting like people just getting into the gun community or like uh, your average consumer military veterans um, to your intermediate or advanced level shooters. I, I there my tips aren't going to like help an advanced level or an intermediate guy become advanced really. Uh, the biggest thing is the basics. Like, you just get good at the basics. Like, you just get good at those. Like, with being in the field, like, okay, so you got your truck. Do you have a four-wheel drive, like, SUV or whatever that you can, like, take up into the woods? Because, like, there's been there's always debate on, like, what you should do. Like, for me, I live literally out in the middle of nowhere. I have, like, a little bit of land, and I can see over everything. So I'm not leaving unless I need to. But, like, a lot of guys live in the city, and they might need to, like, take out to the woods because that's like increases their survival percentage in like some sort of shit show by like a million percent yeah you know so if you got to book it out to the woods like is your stuff ready i was like yeah my stuff's ready and like i started doing it after i got out just like because like nothing fancy project was a fucking thing (laughs) like i'm like this fucking autistic nerd like there's no way this fucking mormon cargo pilot could fucking outdo me and like I'd go out to the woods and I'd be like, Oh yeah, this is great. And I just kept doing it. Like and then I started filming it and I was like, 
debating on whether or not to post it. And I did on the last iteration have like some success. And I think like right now I'm just trying to like figure out the most, the most efficient use of like uh, short form content for um, essentially like entry level stuff. Like how do you get into this? Cause like not everybody, everybody sees like operator Gucci stuff and they're like, well, I know that that's like, 20,000 bucks. Like I can't do that. I got a wife, I got kids. Yeah. You know, you might either be a young dude that's married with kids and you don't make a lot, or you might be an older guy like me that you make like decent money, but you have like, like I'm a single dad. So I have to put away for retirement and all sorts of other shit. And like, I don't have like the, the disposable income that I once did, uh, especially when I was working in the private sector. But, um, I mean, I, I still I get like sponsorships and stuff, and it's the more followers I have, the better it gets. But I, I try not to like shill for people. I, I don't. But um, just getting those systems, like, what's the cheapest you could get away with? Like, what what could you run that's like the cheapest? And then I think I'm going to start getting into like intermediate and then later advanced stuff and the long form content probably in the next like year or so. Uh, I have an extra room, but it's not quite done for like a, a podcast studio or anything. So I'm using the, the kitchen right now. Hey, it's all good. Um, you know what helped me out um, or what I really liked? Um, and I I don't know who started it, but there was guys. Uh, one, one of my buddies, his name is uh, Jesse Cribb. He's kind of like a, a field craft guy. He, he he pumps out good content. And he actually takes groups of, of people out into the woods and they spend a weekend. I think it's every weekend they spend a weekend out in the woods and they do field craft stuff. And it's pretty dope stuff. Um, recently, he got hacked. Well, I should say probably last summer he got hacked. And uh, I legit thought it was him. Uh, he's like, hey, man, I'm starting a t-shirt company. Would you, would you buy a t-shirt? And I'm like, yeah, I'll support your fucking gear. Um, and it turned out, dude. <laughs> This is how good they are. It turned out it wasn't him, and I had to contact um, one of one of his uh, female friends to to verify if it was actually him or not. Uh, and it turned out that he got hacked anyway. Um, but he started posting up uh, just like small pictures, PNGs of you know his his daily carry, and oh, um, yeah, yeah. So all my survival. So I have a modified uh, Kubicon. Um, I got a couple of blades on me. I got my medic kit. And then I got my mass cast kit that I carry my my Rav four. Uh, but the thing is, dude, like with tourniquets, dude, I am not going to spend thirty dollars on a cat tourniquet for. And I look, I have nothing against you know my my fellow civilians out there, but let's just say there is a situation where I have to apply more than just one tourniquet, man. That's you know that's almost a hundred hundred bucks a a person, uh, essentially with you know shipment and tax coming from you know wherever it is that you're ordering so dude i have to buy a bunch of like cheaper tourniquets but i test them out on myself you know i know that they got a shelf life but dude that's what my they're my fine. mask has they were, dude, there's so many things that work fine that like yeah sure you might have a problem with like one in so many but like a lot of people are like kind of elitist and the biggest thing of like the gun uh, cause I kind of crossed into like a lot of different, uh, communities, off-road guns, survivalists and stuff like that. And it's, we're, we're all kind of like fucking autistic. Like we're spurred out like model train guys. And like, yeah. it's like, no, you, you gotta use this one <laughs> or this one. And like, <laughs> you know, you'll get made fun of like, you're, you're a poor, you're, you're dumb. And like. That, that gets a lot of dudes off of, like, going into that community because they're like, 
oh, well, I can't afford right now to drop like $15,000 on this operator drip fit, you know, or like, you know, I can't dump fucking 26, 30 grand on an overland vehicle, bro. I can't drop like five grand on survival equipment, 10 grand on survival equipment. And you don't really need to for the most part. It's just like mostly marketing and stuff. And like you, you can't um, rely on people that are telling you like, bye, 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 bye to be the source. And you can't rely on people making fun of you to be the source. And like, there's always going to be those people that a talk shit B because or, uh, you know, they talk shit because of they're insecure about themselves and they're just lashing out like me creating content. If I post it on TikTok, there's like, you know, you see like, fat dudes that are like, oh, you're just out in the woods fucking pretending to be an army boy. And it's like, yeah, dude, I'm having fun. What the fuck's wrong with you? And like, yeah. the other side of that is like, oh, you fake fucking operator. You don't got this gear, this gear, this gear on right now. And you're fucking blah, blah. And it's like, you just got to fucking let those dudes do their thing. If you're doing something that makes you happy and have fun, like you don't, you don't need like the most expensive shit, especially to start out with. Uh, uh, the fucking the Palmetto State that you have right now, if you can buy one of those, is like better than the Novesti or Knights Armament down the road. You know, like like just having nothing in the interim, like buying cheap tourniquets. If you buy like a bunch of them, you know, you might have to put two on a dude, but you're fine. Buying like not a Sitka $700 jacket or like, you know, a cry this or that or whatever. And just like getting a fucking camo jacket off of Amazon or Americana pipe dream, like a surplus one, like you can rock surplus. It's fine. Like you don't need to spend a bunch of money on stuff just to get by. And a lot of people, what they'll do is they'll be like, if I only had this overland vehicle, then I would go be out in the woods and stuff like that. (laughs) <laughs> and it, it, it's it's not really that it's it's that's yeah. keeping you from doing it it's a thought that will that like you can't buy your way into going out to the woods so like you just got to get out there if that's what you want to get into like what i do like you're you just go out there with what you got and if you can afford like a little bit better quality of life stuff like do it like you know get a sleeping bag get a sleeping bag waterproof cover these are not expensive from amazon like Sure, you might trash through them, but it's like a hundred bucks, you know, two hundred bucks for a military one. I, I think, like, I think, um, I honestly think people have been spoiled, um, kind of like this, like substance versus image thing when it comes to like tactical gear. And what I mean by that is, dude, uh, like you know, since like two thousand three, I mean, we've been, you know, just looking at the operating spectrum, a lot of dudes that came back and started putting out like team stuff on insta and stuff like that and then like the whole airsoft movement the operator culture yeah um well all that stuff yeah it does you know you have your shit tight you know that does work um so it's like you know what other standard yeah but what other standard do people have to, to measure and you know what what worked for me you know in combat still works for me today Uh, most people don't understand that most stuff is grunt stuff most stuff isn't cool guy stuff like and the 97 99.997 or whatever percent of the mission set you would be in in like a hostile environment is just fucking grunt work dude it's setting up 
fucking Overwatch and like, you know, making a patrol base is just like you're doing the same things you would do in like Ranger School. You you fucking just walk out, set up a patrol base, and you fucking make your you know, if there's like objectives or whatever to like meet LARP you're doing, like you can set up you know, whatever kind of fantasy ideal, like three guys out in the draw. And that's kind of, you know, I record that and stuff. And it's just like, uh, I can dissect little pieces out of that and then kind of give like a, a tidbit of insight to it. And that's, that's kind of what I like doing. Cause I don't want to be like the foremost expert on anything or anything like that. I, I can't take myself seriously enough to do that. I don't want to be like, Oh, listen to me. But like, Hey, check it out. This is, you know, and yeah, the, there's no reason that you you can't glorify the grunt essentially, because most of most of the work is that, and you get issued shit gear when you're a grunt, but it fucking works. Yeah, yeah, I I agree with that, and that's just not. I mean, I I could give a fuck less what anybody does, to be honest with you. Like, I think if you're doing your thing and you enjoy it, great. But like, I I do kind of have an issue with like you're only credible if you're a top tier group guy operator like your your information is only credible if you've done this 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 and it's just like dude that in itself is going to deter someone from getting into this because they'll never be you they don't even have the opportunity to be you any like right now sure you could but it would be very difficult for the common guy that's interested in this to do what you've done oh nearly impossible right so why like i'm gonna sit here and subscribe to this and i'm not saying i don't enjoy watching the shit too but a lot of what i see is like man most people don't have ends like you do to have all this crazy gear just like you're saying and it's like you're going to deter someone from even starting because they might not buy that budget kit and then put most of their money into ammo to go train on a range or or out in a field somewhere because they're saving up for that 10 grand plus setup. And it's like, dude, I have, you know, I don't care if this is on here. I have fucking four palmettos. One of them's mine. Three of them are for fucking anyone that needs them if they need them. You know, yeah. they're, they're ditch guns. I've always said that they have good, decent optics on them. But it's like, you know. Get shit for the fucking homies. If if you can, yeah, I might like to have a nicer setup, but I don't want to worry about it because I beat the fuck out of everything. And unless I'm yeah. dumping hundreds of thousands of rounds through a platform, it's probably going to be fine. And um, yeah, so cool. I'm, I'm with you on that. But one thing I want to say is that going through your stuff, I was like, I and, and this irks me to this day still when I see active duty like military or sf guys or whatever sure yeah i saw your clip you can fire from any position but when you're in a kneeling position and you don't have bone support it makes me want to scream dude like why not it's not that hard to put your elbow on your knee and sit on your your heel or your flat foot like you want to take engage from a high knee why there's no real reason you're dropping like six more inches and now you have a lot, you know, but I see like active duty guys doing that. And I'm like, who, who's, we need to tighten this up. Like who's like, who's your su superiors watching you probably scatter around the target because, you know, I don't know. I'm just like, dude, fundamentals are, are fucking key and you want to play around, look cool. You're, you're not, you're not doing the right thing. <laughs> 
But anyway, I saw a couple of your clips and I was like, ah, oh, he's got it. Cause you know, especially dude shooting rockets. Like that was my big thing. And I'm like, if I see guys shooting rockets from a high knee or their elbows floating, I'm like, Oh dude, I would have ripped your ass, but. Oh, hell yeah, dude. No, I, I totally like, uh, I believe that the basics are what make you like, there's, there's not a whole lot to it. And like, you don't, you don't have to like go all in too. I, like the average guy getting into this is, is going to want to like put his toe in first. Like he's not going to want to spend like tens of thousands of bucks. So like discouraging him from doing so is just like completely yeah. counterintuitive to the whole cause. Cause it's like, well, why are they passing like gun legislation? And it's like, well, because probably the community isn't getting bigger to a, to a level that would be a majority at this point. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. If you get everybody on board like it was back in the 50s, like there wasn't a dude, like you could be a liberal guy back in the day and it's like, hey, can you shoot a rifle? And you're like, of course I can fucking shoot a rifle. Like, <laughs> you know, like that was well, like, like, that, that was like a rude question to ask a dude in like 1958. <laughs> <laughs> Nowadays, it's, it's a relatively normal question if you don't know the person's background with firearms. Right. And another thing, man, like, I, I and I and I do like like torture testing videos and shit, but it's like, you know, to a point. Like I'm watching this shit, and you know, you bury something in the mud and like all this. Let's see if it'll fire. And I'm like, do you in a real life scenario, do you know how much hell you would have to go through to get to that point? Like yeah. the chances of you surviving that initial hell to get to where your weapon system or whatever is covered in mud or frozen or whatever you want to do to it like you probably gonna make trench raid or something yeah like you're you're going through some real shit to get that far into it but you know it's it's all good i i don't want to i don't want to shit on too much but no no well i would say like in in the in the community there's like there's kind of like a, a uh with that dunning kruger which is like the parabolic curve where in the center it's like the the people who know like a middle amount kind of uh are the most vocal or like oh, the dumbest or whatever. Right. And I think a lot of those people, uh, they get hyper fixated on things like reliability and guns jam. That's just the reality of the situation. Like I was a machine gunner for a long time. So my gun jammed all the fucking time with a two, four, nine with the 10 inch barrel, like the meme gun. Yeah. Like literally like the ballistics on it out of a 10 inch barrel for a belt fed. it's essentially a belt fed fucking submachine gun. Right. Those dudes are silly pills, dude. But like, they're meme. I love them. They jam constantly. But I, you know, like that's just and to clear a malfunction on a belt-fed weapon system takes quite a bit of time. You know, you do that in a couple gunfights, and it's like you realize, like, well, I had the fortune or misfortune to realize a couple things that, like, a not every bullet being shot at you is a direct kill shot to your face. You know, if <laughs> if you're your courage holds a lot of times luck will kind of carry you through <laughs> you know, as long yeah, as you're not man. doing retarded stuff like just like you know just silly pills that they tell you not to you're like i'm gonna do stuff backwards but you know if you keep reload your machine gun right and everything it usually plays out pretty fine yeah but yeah. um yeah. yeah you 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 can't the reliability of a, of a weapon system of like one extremes or two like well, I've had like, you know, a couple like there's some things like if you're not if your AR-15 isn't walking back on the last round, 
you might either a have like if it's a palmetto a canted site where not enough gas is getting back or b too much uh buffer weight in the back yeah. and and it'll cycle better yeah dude i mean there's and that's just time on on the system right i mean like you're yeah. saying you you're, you're gonna figure this out if you do it for long enough but if you're like you said holding back oh if i had this you're never gonna have that and yeah you you could i don't want to say never but there is yeah, a weird no. there there is a weird matrix with that right so it's like age and physical ability and then like finances right so like as you go up and have you know if you're a you know working individual that cares about supporting people around you you're going to you're going to have a career or a job where you're making more money but as you do that and get older your physical ability for the most part declines as your finances go up well buying sicker gear and all that shit doesn't help on the other end of it like so if you know there's a grantham or whatever said like if you're fat you're gonna die that's that's rule number one okay and 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 like that is the truth right so it doesn't matter what how much money you got in your gear like if you can't do the work you know i'm not trying to shame anybody but like that's just the truth so if you're an 18 early 20s guy working your job and you have you know some money saved up do some research get what you can get because you know that's gonna like you like you said that's gonna serve you better than waiting you're always gonna be better off just dropping your ego and kind of like being like well i can only afford like x thing you know, whatever, whatever is in your budget and to not be like, whether that's like a 22 or whatever, like you can still have a lot of fun with the 22 and it might teach you to get like, or it might, that might be like one of the barriers. that's a legitimate barrier. Like, let's say, well, I don't even have a gun to go out in the woods or like a four by four. Like you could go out in a car, you know, you can park your car in, in like camping gear and stuff like that, but don't be ashamed of getting like the thing that you can afford and getting out there. Like it might be like, Oh, I can't do that. Like that's, that's stupid or that's silly. Like you might only be able to afford a, a 22 rifle, like a 1022. And those are really fun to kill stuff with. And that gives you practice. And you might like, you know, it, yeah, it that, might and, either save you from <laughs> hundreds of thousands of dollars of like down the line of like camping equipment and, and rigs and stuff because you get out there and you're like, this is lame. <laughs> or it might spark something in you and you really like it. Yeah. And I mean, like there's endless debates on like, you know, muzzle velocities and calibers and all this shit. And it's like. In a real life okay. scenario, if you're being engaged by someone out in the streets, do you really care what that round is going to do to them? I promise you, unless they're so, juiced up like the Mouge was, dude, like you hit them with something, it doesn't matter if it's 22. You're going to deter them from doing whatever the fuck they wanted to do to you. In most cases. I mean, uh, so like a pistol is a pistol is a pistol and that's i would say anything below 2200 feet per second is only going to create a temporary cavity and a crushing wound path of the bullet so if you have like decent hollow points or whatever you, a nine mil does the same as a 40 does the same as a 45 you might get like hard cast bullets for more penetration but a 44 mag isn't necessarily more powerful in a human body like it'll go all the way through sideways and through both like arms like <laughs> it'll It'll get you going, bro, especially if you're using hard cast. But, like, 
realistically, any pistol is going to do about the same amount of damage to a person. Uh, rifles going over 2,200 feet per second defeat essentially what's called like the elastic capacity of the tissue. So you can like stretch your skin. It, it, it the pussy doesn't stretch back. It just like makes a broad head fucking wound through and then digs like a softball hole out of your back. <laughs> and like that's what a rifle does. Like, right. So if you want like what a rifle does, you got to use a rifle. If you want what a pistol does, you got to use a pistol. But outside of those dynamics, it's all the same. So like it doesn't matter if it's a palmetto or a knife. It's it's still going to put like a softball sized hole through someone's back if right. you shoot them with it. Like it's yeah, and end, you're gonna end, and and as soon as you start poking holes, no matter what, you're probably gonna stop them from doing what they were doing. Yeah, yeah. The only and, thing I would say about twenty two is because it's a rim fire and an automatic, it it doesn't quite load reliably, and then the the primer activation isn't the most reliable. But like, yeah, any even even that though, if that's what you got, yeah. uh, a twenty two that you do have, ultimately, no matter what, is better than like nothing. Yeah, it, it is. It's legitimately better than nothing. And some people might say, like, it's worse than nothing. But like, you know, if like somebody's like weird wrestling you and shit trying to kill you or like, you know, whatever scenario you want to make, I think but that's kind of like the thing I poke fun of is like the 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 thought process. And because everybody, we all go through these like uh, like intrusive thoughts that are like hero fantasy, intrusive thoughts. And it's like narcissism. And it like. I like to make fun of myself for him too, because it's like you fucking retard. You're sitting there, and you're you're the fucking hero of an action movie. You fucking, <laughs> you fucking nerd. Someone's gonna fucking rob you, and you're gonna John Wick him, bro. Get the fuck out of here, dude. Get the fuck out of here, you fucking nerd. Dude, yeah, there is so that one that goes through my head. There's that one guy though. I don't, I don't even know his name or where you can find this, but you guys know you guys have all seen it's that dude that like has all the the silhouettes around him, and he'll do like 360 engagement. Like he is the real. That dude's life. really fast, dude. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, dude, that guy. Everybody thinks they can be that guy, dude. He's some like middle aged man, and he's just drawn from under his like jacket. And like engaging six targets in like three seconds. So you could be that guy if you if you got like the muscle memory and skill. Sorry, I'm gonna take you guys outside for a sec. My dog's gotta go out. So if you have the muscle memory and skill, you could be that guy. But odds are you're gonna like shoot yourself in the leg or something doing that <laughs> shit. Yeah. Like, that's not that's not the most uh, what's the most aesthetic. Let me, let me ask it's, you, man. It's, yeah, I was going to ask you, how do you make yourself a hard target? Like when you go out, knowing, knowing it's like, I know you live like in, in a rural area, but going into like the urban environments, what makes you like, how do you make yourself a hard target? Honestly, like yourself? staying in shape, being a male, it like, <clears throat> you got to Cause we all think like, okay, well, what's everybody looking at? They're looking, you know, if someone wants to rob someone, they're looking at like an old lady. Cause they probably have the most amount on them and the least amount of resistance whereas like a guy that works out and is like mid-30s with tattoos probably isn't the guy like you know i might be like and you could say like oh well you just look like a a sports bar bro and that's fine a sports bar bro can still crack your head open if you you know you start getting in a tussle with them and like grandma can't so just being a dude automatically like if you're a female you know, like a girl I'm seeing, she's just a little thing. 
I got some of your videos. A dude's try. She worked in a hardware store as manager. Dude tried to kidnap a chick. Is like oh, wow. she's working there. That's that's the like easy money. Is if you're a female, a small female, a uh, bigger or older female, like you're on the number one. You are the top of the list for any sort of violent crime. So that's a number one target. Second target is going to be like elderly men, and the third target down is going to be dudes. Unless you're talking about someone systematically profiling you for a different reason than violent crime. Like if you're talking about like, let's say the government looking at like extremist threats, you are the top priority. So like, are you talking about making yourself a hard target from criminals or like from like government stuff? Well, it just depends in general. Um, I'd say carry, carry gun, carry Glock 19, fucking get buff. If you're a young dude, get buff, like lift fucking weights, run. Like, do Olympic lifts, fucking get big shoulders, a big neck. Like, you look scary. Like, it, people might talk shit, but, like, at the end of the day, like, dudes aren't going to fuck with you. Like, they they really aren't. I've never really had, like, a ton of issues with that stuff. If, if you kind of, like, look the part, you are the part, you know? And it's, like, everything's a LARP until, like, you're so dialed into it that you're the guy that's known for that, and it's not a LARP anymore, you know? Like, if you're a dude that's down to, like, fist fight or whatever and you like beat people up a bunch you're probably going to go to jail a bunch but if you like go wrestle and do mma and get your face all beat up like mine like you're gonna look like you you're gonna fuck somebody up like you can tell you can look at dudes i'm not like like i'll fist fight somebody if they make me or i'll fucking put a hole in them with a glock 19 as they make me you know it's just kind yeah, of the, the world but like i'm not going out looking for it or anything but i definitely probably just look like a guy that will like fight you or shoot you and that kind of might be a deterrent for people being friendly to me but i live in the middle of fucking nowhere so <laughs> i i don't really care what uh you know the majority of people think max well why no why but yeah yeah, I, uh, uh, no go ahead yeah, there's there's a lot of things like if you're looking at like the government like putting you on a list and shit because of like what you're saying and stuff like or like you are on the list and it's like you, you you're a hard target against the military force. Let's say Red Dawn happens, right? How to make yourself like a hard target in that situation? Have a lot of guns and a lot of stuff. More than expensive stuff, have a lot of stuff cuz like at the end of the day, stuff is just going to get broke. It's it's worthless. Like essentially, like everybody puts a bunch of money in their rifle, and if you think about any sort of scale of warfare, wh whether it's like conventional or just like special operations that happen, stuff's gonna get broken. Dudes are gonna get shot. That guns in op. Like it's just you, you. Every piece of kit is kind of a throwaway, and that that kind of circles back to like spending a shit ton on gear. Like you get into this loop where like this gear is like precious and it's really not no gear is precious everything is destructible everything is like disposable it, it, you dx it as soon as it as it rips or breaks or shit like that you don't hang on to it and if you spend too much on like equipment you might be hanging on to it longer than necessary because you're uh essentially forced to out of the cost of replacement or the initial investment cost and i think that's kind of like it's 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 not there's the reason the army and marine corps have inexpensive surpluses because it was inexpensive and they have to replace it at such a large scale that like buying everybody operator Gucci kit is like not feasible, like in the budget. It's just not, it's silly pills to spend that much money when you get the same use out of something that's cheaper, might not look as sexy or cool, but provides the same amount of function over the same amount of time generally. 
and the the ability capability of that equipment is such that like for over 99 percent of the mission set it works i've had my rifle break three times in combat like physically broken fell apart and (laughs) dude it fucking sucked yeah, you can't get overly attached, and people do. People get way seriously overattached to it, uh, especially people, I guess, that didn't serve in the in the service or something like that. Like they they had this conception or pre misconception that uh, this is my rifle, and it's like ultra precious to you. Like it's a shit box; it could get broke, and I'll pick up a different one. I don't give two shits about this rifle. Only thing I care is that I zeroed it good. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. it. Well, that's why I carry blades, man. And, you know, there's like people who give me shit because they're like, you're going to bring a, a knife to a gunfight. And I'm like, yeah, why not? You know, <laughs> um, but too, if I find myself in a gunfight, there's something really wrong. You know, I, um, my number one, my number one tactic is simply evade. And yes, I'm gonna if, run if away. somebody's going to rob me, I'm, I'm going to like, first off, I look like. You know, I'm going to do that. But realistically, like, I'm not trying to go to court. Because if you shoot someone, even if it's justified, like, they're going to take you out to the sheriff's department, you know? Yeah. And you're going to get interrogated. And you could think you did everything right. And you can look it up. And those dudes are yucking it up with the cops. And they use that. Like, they're trying to sell you a car that's, like, going into a jail sale. Like, that's their car sale is like, hey, come on in. Sign this paper. Tell me you did something wrong. So they're not on your side. So they're trying to get you to say stuff that will incriminate yourself. And you might feel as like a justified shooter that you were. And you might say something and they interpret it in a way and run with it. Uh, the Kyle Rittenhouse narrative, right? Like they, they get them saying stuff and they, they get them not saying stuff and they just run with the narrative that's obviously completely false. Like it's, it's a waste. It's fraud, waste, and abuse of state money to prosecute a case like that on like just false pretenses essentially like it's video evidence of like self-defense happening like there's no more cut and clear case of self-defense like if someone hits you in the back of the head with a skateboard like as a skater growing up like that will fucking kill you yeah like that like uh, separate your spinal column from the back of your head like it would be the same as doing it with like a baseball bat or a hammer fist you know, no, even worse because the trucks are metal. They're they're like yeah, yeah. forged aluminum, like a fucking receiver, dude. They're and yeah. a and a skateboard probably weighs like the same as a rifle. Yeah, so that, it, that, it would yeah. essentially be like like just like baseball bat swinging a rifle down on the back of someone's head, mm-hmm. and that's like a deadly, deadly thing to do to somebody. Like with any blunt object, that's like you know, like it's just not something that you can say like this wasn't self-defense a guy pointed a gun at him and he shoots his arm like there's there's absolute video evidence of self-defense happening and the state still prosecuted him and you know there's there's a lot of plate like up in portland a reporter uh not a reporter in the sense of like uh they they're a journalist but he's a recording guy got surrounded by like a a I don't know if it was an Antifa or BLM protest that was happening during the time, but he had just come from one of those style protests and got his arm broken like a couple months. He took recovery, got back, came up here, crowd circled him. He pulled out his gun and said, like, stop, that dude's in jail jail right now. Right oh, up damn. Jail, you know, like there's things that you think you could get away with that you probably won't, especially if you live in a place where they can like, kind of fuck with what you say so i mean i i would say if if you can avoid shooting someone 
at all costs do that not for them but for yourself and your family if you have one or whatever if you're a young man for your future like even if you feel like it's a justifiable shooting a lot of times they're going to try to fuck you into it so if you do do it if you do shoot someone in a justified manner the second thing to do is keep your fucking mouth shut and get a defense attorney like if you don't got money let them pay for one but don't talk to those cops they're not your friends you know they're going to try to wrap you up in some shit that you don't want to be part of you don't want to go to a jail cell you don't want to go to prison so if somebody wants your wallet, dude, and they're not going to shoot you, just give them your wallet. You can cancel credit cards. You know, it's like they'll give you all your money back. Well, you got like 60 bucks in that thing. Don't carry cash. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> you know, if you're cool with losing 60 bucks, whatever. <laughs> like, Yeah. But, you know, there's there's some things you can't avoid where, like, you, you're being assaulted. And if you are physically being assaulted, a knife's probably just as good as anything else to keep on you. Yeah. You know, because if you can't get away, just give them the stuff or, like, you know, run the opposite direction and they're physically wrestling you for your stuff and you're making contact with them, I would say that um, you're probably best off just to kind of stab them, <laughs> I guess, would be, for lack of a better term. Like, if, if you are, in fact... Um, in a, in a physical altercation where you, you can't resist them to evade anymore. Like you're close enough. You could put a knife in them. And a lot of people say like, Oh, you're bringing a knife to a gunfight. And, but it's not a gunfight until someone starts shooting. So, you know, it, until someone physically busts out a gun and has one ready to shoot or is shooting, it's not a gunfight. It's, it's a hand fight. Yeah, that's from growing up. That's what I've noticed, you know, and even if somebody does have a weapon, unless they actually grab it and like get it in a in a place where they can hold it, that you're not going to you're not going to be doing too good. You, you know, like hmm. it's it, it doesn't give you an advantage if you're not uh, using it at that specific time. Yeah, um, uh, I get a lot of questions, you know, with regards to like personal safety. Um. My number one thing uh, in terms of like recommendations is, hey, man, always, always situational awareness, man. If you're about to exit a location, look at look around you. You know, you can usually tell what the atmospherics, you know, what's going down or, you know, someone looks strange to you, something you've never seen, some type of anomalous thing. So that's like the number one thing. Um, the other thing, too, is um, uh, knowing knowing like when you're like you're like when you're you're not in your best performance. Like for example, two o'clock, man, dude, I just want to go to sleep. Two o'clock, you're not going to find me, you know, doing crazy stuff. And that's just because I wake up at 2 a.m. every morning. So by that time period, if I don't get like a 10 minute like nap, dude, I am done. So that is like an area that I'm not going to be, you know, my best self. And so it's like recognizing those individual patterns where you find yourself um, not being functional even if that just means, you know, simply being aware or going to your vehicle or whatever it is, exiting out. <laughs> and that goes back into the whole physical fitness thing. And I always tell a lot of guys too, it's like, you know, go get your blood checked. You know, your blood's going to determine, you know, wh where your deficiencies are, um, what you need to eat. And that's also, you know, going to make it a lot more real because you're actually getting a clear picture of what's happening inside your body. Right. Because I can look healthy on the outside. Um, but if I got deficiencies in certain vitamins that help with my cognitive abilities and they're not up to par and I'm having to adjust all the time or take too much caffeine, 
do something where it's going to jeopardize, you know, it's going to put me to a crash or something like that, then that's not good. Yeah, but, uh, I, I think food in America in general is kind of like weird. Um, when when we were kids, like like essentially fatty cakes were marketed as like cool, like hardcore, like uh, little Debbie cakes. No, like uh, like just stuff with shiny wrappers on it. Like, oh, you got to drink Mountain Dew; it'll make you skateboard better. Oh but, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Marketing. You man. know what I mean? Like, you got to eat Dorito <laughs> chips; they'll make you kickflip good. And it just yeah. made a bunch of like twelve and thirteen year old fat yeah. kids that listened to some forty one. <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah, but uh, Old no, so I, yeah, that's kind of where it starts. Is like, and it helps you out with because like I eat like I'm poor. I just buy like a bunch of vegetables and like meats and I just make stuff out of that and try not to like, cause like if you do anything overboard, usually there's like a pendulum that'll swing back. Like, so if you, if you go like super hardcore CrossFit, that might like be something that you do as a hobby for a few years, maybe like five tops. And then you kind of like peak out and like it starts regressing maybe, or like bodybuilding and stuff like that. But it, it just like everything, I like to keep it simple. Like, if you just have a routine where you work out and you're um, getting exercise, like run, lift, compound lifts are best, but also do curls for the girls and like shoulder presses and bench press and deadlift. Uh, and you just like don't eat shit. You just do meat and vegetables. Like it, it sounds like lame and stuff, but if you start cooking like three ingredient dishes regularly, you're you're going to like notice that you don't feel like shit all the time. Like if you're eating McDonald's and you're like trying to skate off the dollar menu to live cheap, like <laughs> compared to just buying like onions, garlic and like meat and then some sort of like side with it that's cheap too, like vegetable wise. Uh, I know a lot of dudes are saying don't eat vegetables, only do fruits and meats, but like, dude, I, I just can't do that. And like eat noodles and mashed potatoes if you want. Like if you get a little chubby, it's not the biggest deal as long as you continue to work out. And like, you know, you're like doing stuff to progress your health. It like, it doesn't matter if you have like a six pack, like a lot of dudes, like doing the grunt work did not ever have a six pack. Like the whole time I was in, most of the dudes are just like regular shape, but they could run good and they could push up good and they could pull up good and sit up good. They, it, it's not necessarily like this dude's running around with 7% body fat. It's like, what's, what's your two mile, your three mile time. Like, are you, are you running as fast as you can over a long distance enough to like make yourself like gag and puke? Like that's what, and, and to not be ashamed to do that in front of people, I think is a, is a barrier. Pride and ego, I think is a huge barrier with a lot of things because like people take themselves seriously and they're like, fuck, I haven't run in like six years, like getting back into it. Fucking I'm going to be hacking and wheezing and puking in front of everybody. Like you just need to embrace that and understand that no matter what, like we're, we're all equals and that like. You might be like sucking dicks out there on the gravel road, like coughing up a storm, but at least you're doing it. Like people can talk all the shit they want about like what your gear is, what your fitness level is, what your whatever is. But if you're doing it and they're not like they have one, no room to talk. And most people, you know, are if they're talking spitefully toward you, they're not doing it. So just to to get out there and do some sort of activity that will increase your cardiovascular fitness and your muscular strength is like top tier importance. It doesn't 
you don't have to be like best ranger to survive i don't think but you have to be in shape yeah not yeah. what that means to me basically no totally like, can you can you still can you still turn that switch on to where like because i i smoke city butts dude and i cough and gag when i run everybody knows that but i still fucking do it like and i and i can make my times but it's just like not the funnest time in my life but you just have to kind of overcome that and overcome that stress of like embarrassment and failure and just give your best like because no matter no matter what even if it's like a small modicum to the gods of suffering like you're still giving it up and they'll reward you in the long run for sure dude yeah i find myself um dude i can't work out as much as i used to just because of time but i still wake my ass up at 2 a.m i like waking up early yeah there's just like something spiritual to it um also i like torturing myself and that feels really good. Um, I like I like that pain, and um, it just feels good. Anyway, I can't work out like I used to. Where it was like three three training regiments, four training regiments in one day. Um, partly because I got a you know I got family now and I got other responsibilities that I got to do. So there's like always this like back thought in my head where I'm like, damn, I'm not you know as competitive, not competitive, but like on edge like I used to be because I'm not at a specific like level that I used to be, but that's not true because now with, you know, all these extra, I want to say extra, but all these added layers to it, it allows you to embrace or at least use other facilities and faculties around you or that you've never had to use. Like for example, this whole situational awareness thing, you know, I'm not 22 anymore, but um, so I'm not like, you know, testosterone, um performance there's days where i'm poor vice other you know i'm not gonna yeah mindset is still there but it, it, you know physical capability is not going to be there so i have to use other things in order to mitigate those deficiencies all those things have taught me how to be robust essentially especially as i'm you know i'm in my mid-30s and i'm realizing that i'm getting older i have to look to other types of methods in order to maintain a level of readiness that's fit with the environment that's a hard yeah, thing to no, do I, for a lot of guys too yeah i, I totally like it, it's a it's a struggle especially like go you know every man goes through that it's like for for a portion of time in your life like every day you're getting better like you're getting stronger and faster and and bigger and taller and like one day that stops and like you know you weren't physically as good as you once were and every day is like farther away from that maybe ideal form of you and like coping with that is a rough struggle and figuring out ways to like kind of kind of reduce the deficiencies because of that and and that's like a hundred percent around the spectrum whether that's like physical fitness your eyes start to go out so you can't like see as good as you used to and just just getting used to those things and like basically just adjusting your life to those or it it's it's a weird and rough concept for most for most men and that the thing is a lot of guys kind of like uh you know have a rough go of that and i think that the biggest uh thing to to do is to just not fret about that to just and it sounds cheese dick as fuck but just be the best you like Cause you don't really have any more control over anything than your day to day, like getting wrapped up in politics and stuff like that. And like, fine, but some people get too wrapped up in this and that. And like, they just like kind of like live in the moment 
for me a little bit more like you know this is today you might i might get in a car wreck on my way home or something so i might at least you know get a little get a little jog in get a get a little weight lift routine in and it it works out really well for me to kind of just take it one day at a time and to be patient about stuff and to just understand that i'm never going to be like a machine again like i was when i was like 26 it, like you know like 195 at like 10 percent body fat ridiculous just you know peak male testosterone that like you know that's just not me anymore i'm a little bit slower you know? well you can <laughs> be artificially get that vitamin s <laughs> you know what i mean though i you know you just can't you can't like change it on like uh, and a lot of things, you know, that's, it's just a, another barrier to doing stuff. It's like you set up artificial barriers. And one of those is usually egocentric with like, well, I, I was fucking, you know, and now you got a beer gut and shit. And it's like, fuck, dude, I just out of this last marriage, my fucking beer gut was getting a little bit silly. But it's okay. It's okay to just get a beer gut for a while and say, fuck it, and then get back to it. Like, there's nothing wrong with, like, letting go for a little bit and kind of just, like, chilling the fuck out and then being like, okay, I got to get back on the horse and do my daily thing again. It just, it is what it is. But just understanding, like, you know, that you can kind of make it fun starting from scratch again, like a Rocky montage, you know, you get all, you get all off the, off the program for a minute and you can't necessarily uh, compete with your old self and you, you hold yourself accountable to that. You know, you, you might miss out on uh, the fun of the progression again. Like, yeah. if you're just like, fuck it, I'm too far gone. I don't think that's ever a thing either, too. Like, if you're a big old heavy set guy, like, there's all sorts of dudes I've seen lose all sorts of weight. And, you know, one of the ways to keep you from eating a bunch of, because, like, let's be real, you don't get big old, big old fat guy without eating a bunch of pizza and fatty cakes and not working out. It's not, it's not one of those things. But going out in the woods keeps you from eating Pizza Hut. Unless you bring it with you, you don't got it out there. That's right. That's <laughs> right. So you can really, yeah. you can really, uh, you can really lose some pounds out there. Or, I mean, you can get even fatter if you're drinking a bunch of alcohol and shit. Yeah, I think one thing, like for me, when I think about that, or that, like, tries to, like, w that pushes me to try to do good or better for myself is like having people that I know depend on me like to be there, you know, I, and I think a lot of guys that are, might be, might not have that or might just be solo. And you always see it when people like split up from relationships, right? It's like they get back into the best shape of their life or that they can at that time. And it's like, you know, I, I see it on social media all the time. I'm like, damn, dude, like homie was through a breakup or divorce. And it's like this, like this dude is chiseled up again. He's getting after it. And it's like, why does it take something like that to to hold yourself accountable? Like, if you can just think on a daily basis that people are relying on you to be uh, maybe not the best version or just be be good for yourself, then you can do things for others. And I don't know. I mean, that's just me personally. I need that. I think I need that to push me to not, you know, we all slip. I do. I'm not not anywhere near perfect dude. but jose's seen it you know i i i cave and it's like but then i use that i'm like i shouldn't be like that as much or whatever and it's you know nobody's yeah nobody's no, that's huge it's it, some of the best times of your life for when you're slipping but like the 
the thing is some people in relationships they get really comfortable and like settle yeah. down and they they kind of feel like they have to spend all their time together especially in like and it's kind of cyclic because with relationships that usually in the first part of the relationship let's say like the first two years you're like up each other's ass all the time and a lot of times within that cycle like a relationship won't last and like till it does and you get out of that cycle you can get like your own time again (laughs) kind of thing you know what i mean so a lot of people stay in that perpetual like two-year cycle until they find the right person so like they'll be up each other's ass and this chick doesn't work out she's just like she eats like a bird and stays skinny with metabolism and she cooks really good. So you get all fat and shit and like you guys break up and it's like, fuck dude, I used to run and not be over 200 pounds for no reason. Like, right. You know, like I'm not like six foot five, like I can reason to be over 200 pounds. So it like a lot of guys, I I think kind of like, well, one thing is I, I don't view my experience as unique. So uh, yeah. It's kind of me talking out of my pocket, but I, I'm not 100%, but I, I would feel that that would be like the common shelling point on why dudes kind of do that in relationships. And y- you got to just do your own thing. And I've kind of picked that up in my 30s. Like when you're dating a chick, like don't don't spend every second with her. Just establish from the get-go that you're going to like do your own thing. And that kind of keeps you your own dude. Yeah. And it, it's like, but there's give and take in a real relationship. So like you might have to miss out on hunting trips or LARPing trips, but it's best to just do what you can. If it's not like, okay, you can't go out and do what I do because like one, you don't have access to public areas or something like there's nothing keeping you from like jogging except a pair of running shoes. And you can get a cheap set on Amazon. Like the barrier to entry of going for a jog is like very, very low. And so like, you got to be able to control what you can control. And for some dudes that might have a family and stuff, that might be an hour or two a day at most. And pouring every single second of that hour or two a day might be a little bit rough on their schedule between like, you know, other things that they're into, like video games or social media and stuff like that. It might working out or like field craft or like uh, weapon stuff or any anything that kind of revolves around the spectrum of I do what I do might take up or might be viewed as taking up too much of someone's free time that they do have. But I would say if you start small, like maybe you go like once a month, you can pull that off once a year, you can pull it off. You know, you might, you might start small and work your way into it as opposed to having like a grand vision of just like, I'll get, I'll get all the stuff and just start at the top. Cause that never happens. Everybody sucks dick. So if people are making fun of you for sucking dicks and you know, you're, you, the wrong people are commenting. They're they're not guys that know about it. Yeah, everyone's a critic. Mm-hmm. So um, we're nearing the two hour mark. Let's talk a little oh, bit yeah. more about your aspirations and uh, what you hope to accomplish in terms of getting your content out there. And then yeah, so um, basically, right now I'm at the low budget point because this is just like a side hobby that I'm doing as a uh, kind of just a hobby, fun hobby. It's It's gotten traction. Uh, we have the, so the TikTok page, and, you know, a lot of people don't like TikTok, which I'm completely 100% cool with. That's all basically, like, clean educational content. I do, like, uh, 
tabletops usually and uh i do like just little tidbits of information because it's short format instagram i post like uh just shit tier memes i just do intrusive thoughts on there sometimes i post like uh raunchy shit that's so you can send to your girlfriend or your uh soon to be if uh if that's how you guys get down send them some memes getting laughs um slowly expanding the project uh I have a room that I'm turning into a studio so I can do more of a long form content for YouTube and stuff like that. I don't because like the the market's kind of saturated with dudes and like a lot of those dudes are like hyper tactical guys and stuff like that or like this and that. And I think the the space that's kind of missed out on the niche that it's missed out on is back in the day, there was like nothing fancy, right? And that dude was like an autistic gear review guy. He's, he still does stuff, but like he kind of appeased to like the general consumer or like the autistic consumer that was down to watch like an hour long video about a Palmetto State build. <laughs> like, I don't necessarily want to do that, uh, but like, Kind of the target audience would be like guys that are looking for a piece of kit maybe and they they want like a shorter in-depth review like hey because i don't want to recommend or do a review on anything i haven't carried for like a year um so it's kind of like a lot of this stuff is is backlogged and I'm, i've been releasing it slowly uh gonna get more sophisticated camera equipment and stuff like that uh start a patreon all that kind of silly stuff the just the normal consumer grade like nonsense of uh product review but with like i guess my twist on it or whatever um i i just can't take it too seriously because it'll probably end up being a failure but at what at what scope will it be a failure like we have like like an example would be like uh um like let's say like um Sam Hyde's a good one because he has an alternate comedy brand that didn't kind of catch on and he had a show and went up and, you know, he started a new project and that's seeming to work well for him. So um, I'm not viewing this as like my only project. It'll probably be a continuum of projects, uh, probably uh, eventually increase like incrementally getting more and more in value because like I do really enjoy it. the the hobby aspect. I like it the most is uh, the filmmaking. Um, I, I only do this stuff with family. So that's another thing for you young guys, like don't start doing this stuff with random people because like you could one end up in trouble for a, a, a myriad of reasons, like it, all the way to the point of you end up hanging out with a group of guys doing this. And then you're sitting there and you're camping and stuff. And one dude's like, you know, starts talking about like, bomb in the white house or something and you're like whoa what the fuck what the fuck what the fuck you know and you're stuck in that you're part of that group and if there's there's someone there that's telling on them you're gonna be lumped in with those guys so like friends like that you know and family sure but like doing it on your own is good too <laughs> you don't want to get wrapped up in like political stuff or anything like that you just want to like if you're just trying to increase your readiness like it should be completely apolitical and you can have fun doing grunt stuff out in the woods without without getting weird and stuff and getting put on a watch list. But uh, definitely uh, 
going out with the boys. I have a lot of brothers and cousins and shit, and we go out and we do like field ops. And like, I haven't shown any of those yet because they've kind of been like more of a disorganized mess than they should be. <laughs> and like, the we paid a guy to film on the last one. We were out there for a few days, and it, it was. <laughs> We were having a lot of fun. We weren't necessarily doing like readiness. It had been a while because of the COVID and shit and all that stuff. So um, we weren't doing like like all the training stuff that we normally do. But it's it's essentially akin to what you would see on like PNW Gorilla, uh, Alex's fucking page. That dude, he does essentially the same thing, just 90 miles up. He's got more sophisticated filming, but... It's, it seems to be uh, an area that people, one, enjoy aesthetically, and two, for, like, knowledge transfer. Uh, the, the majority of my audience, it seems, is between 16 and uh, 35 years old. So there's some up to the 40 and 50-year mark, but it's males. And they're usually just on uh, Instagram looking for laughs and maybe a tidbit of shooting content or truck content or whatever, but... On uh, TikTok, mainly the audience there is uh, for short format information. Uh, YouTube, I have a channel, but it's like prototyped and it's like this shit box. There's no point in, in plugging that or anything. But I think from uh, from my page, you can expect to see uh, short format uh, training stuff and slowly getting into the long format uh maybe more detailed stuff. I don't want to beat dead horses is one of the problems with content. Um, nothing's created in a vacuum. You know, you're always going to draw inspiration from something. Once you've seen something, you can't really get it out of your head to where you've never seen it before. So like, uh, I just don't want to beat dead horses. Like what's this AR 15s accuracy, more or less just giving people tips and tricks that I've picked up over the years. Cause I'm not, the best like tag operator marksman in the world but i can hit targets pretty good you know I, I can shoot pretty good and i can help a lot of people out that can't shoot as well as me which i would say would probably be the majority of the population and then if you know i'm helping out like casting a wide net uh with like more of the basics i think that that gets more people in and I can eventually start getting into more complex and stuff, especially once there's like a lore built essentially like a catalog of videos. So like, well, this guy's talking about more intermediate or advanced level shit that there is that content that they can fall back on to start with. And that's going to be like my first long form content. And the problem with that is, like I said, the market's uh, really saturated, especially with like low end gear because it's usually given out. Um, Low to middle end gear is kind of usually what I go with because I'm not just equipping me. I'm equipping my daughter who goes with me everywhere. And like my brothers need extra shit too. And I got to get them stuff, you know, for Christmas and shit. And we got a match. <laughs> it's all uniform. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, so like I, I think that we can we can do some stuff that like a lot of people don't have necessarily access or know how to do. And and just getting it out how that they, they could do that, but not... Cause like, you know, and it's kind of hard and I don't know how much you want me to bring up on this subject, but like you could get in, like I said earlier, you could accidentally straight up get involved in a militia and whether that's your intention or not might be something that's, you know, here or there. But if it's not your intention, you're just wanting to do like grunt stuff and you've never been in the military 
and you get caught up in like some crazy militia and go to jail, that would be kind of crazy. So, no, like, yeah, dude. <laughs> no, um... There's not huge knowledge sources on like how to find <laughs> spots, where to go, what to do, like kind of how to set it up. And that's mostly going to be uh, once we create the Patreon is like more of the behind the scenes and logistics, because like that's what people really, I think, would be willing to pay for over like because like I'm not going to do like a, a class where like art of the tactical carving and do this like flip shit magwell. Like, you just got to be able to reload fast enough to reload the gun. It, it's not like, no, that's that you'll get faster as you do it more, you know? Yeah. Just, you know, I might take a couple of guys out and practice, but I'm not going to be a tactical trainer or anything like that. Like, and I don't think, you know, because like we talked about earlier, where everything that is any, any information source that's not credited by being like a SEAL Team 6 guy is completely like fraudulent essentially in the community. And that's that's not true at all whatsoever. Like uh, that that's really one of the big reasons I don't give my background out is because like I don't want to appeal to authority. Like I don't like I think that's like gay. Sorry if you can edit that out. Give me a little bleep over that. I think that that's like, I don't, I think that's really egocentric. I think that if you're like, blah, 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 SEAL Team 1, blah, 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 like you're really like, you're kind of resting on your laurels and feeding into your like own mythos. And like you, you, you essentially, because of that resume, have made yourself like an authority figure. So if you say something crazy, like a lot of You good? Dude, <laughs> So, can you guys take the dogs in the room? Sorry for. Oh no, it's all good. We have the the neighbor running. Um, but yeah, so like, oh, kind of lost my spot. Um, no appeals to authority. Um, oh yeah, would... yeah. So like, I anything I put out, I want it. I want it to stand on its own merits. I would like, uh, you know, if people have challenges to anything I say, like, again, like. One of my biggest like things that I try to do is like really lose the ego as opposed to um, just kind of making myself an authority figure. So like if there's legitimate challenges to what I have to say, I completely like, okay, cool. I don't, I don't want to be the guy that's like putting stuff out there that um, is just like, well, there's multiple facets. So I don't want to be um, giving advice outside of my wheelhouse so i kind of stay in my wheelhouse i know what i'm talking about but at the same time like if if i'm saying something that's like dumb or incorrect then i need to really if i'm challenged i need to take that into consideration and adjust but being an authority figure and setting yourself up that way you kind of put yourself in like a situation where like you you can't fail or you can't be wrong because now that you're the authority figure or like the, the guy, the honcho, the top tier, if, if anything you say is wrong, it it's essentially undermines the credibility of like special operations as a whole. So when you get like wrapped up in that kind of shit, it, it really is a detriment to like everybody around you and the trickle down from it. Like you, you start essentially cause one of the problems with the tactical community, like any community, is echo chambers and then essentially like repetitive facsimile thought processes where every every dude thinks that, you know, 
this and this and there's shelling points and then there's stuff that's like completely uh it's constructed essentially like uh for a long time like say like in world war ii they they held holsters a weird way that was completely a constructed thing that was thought to be a good idea but ended up not being anything to do with like gear you start getting these little like uh variances and thought processes to where you're like you're essentially min maxing something and sometimes you get into really silly realms and like it's being held on to because like it's an established like thought process and like you just don't want to be the guy that the 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 authority is you because then like you're the head that wears the crown and shit and so like everything you say has to be taken seriously and you know maybe i say something stupid and i'm not gonna fucking like die on that hill like if i'm wrong i'm wrong like yeah i just can't get wrapped up in it so i i don't i don't want like to a fucking have people be like oh well this is you know is how operators do it so this is how you should do it or b people tell me that like they're scared to like oh if you're doing a thing i'm kind of intimidated by it because like this might be too hardcore for me and it's like no dude it's just regular stuff you just got to do it good that's it like you just if you're regular you're gonna have like a better time of it you just be like drop the ego be regular don't have a chip on your shoulder don't like worry about what other people think or if they shit on your gear stuff like it doesn't really fucking matter because like what they eat doesn't make you shit so like <clears throat> at the end of the day like don't don't do stuff that's like obviously not um advisable in the slightest bit like doing weirdo stuff but like don't don't buy into the the like hype of like you have to have nvgs you have to have a Nevesky rifle you have to have like some wazoo plate carrier and ballistic helmet like you can just buy surplus stuff and it's like you know you could get a rucksack for like 50 bucks <laughs> straight up you you don't need you don't need the the hottest highest end stuff a lot of times there's a lot cheaper options especially if you're just getting into things like you, you don't need to spend out your ass to figure out that you don't like something and if you're just a guy that is like a normal dude and you're like hey i need a gun like for family defense and stuff like that you, you probably don't need like a forty five hundred dollar rifle just to be honest with you like you could probably do it with like a lot cheaper option you know you don't you don't really need to buy into like the hype and marketing of a lot of stuff. And it, it's really appealing visually and like, it's like sexy appealing, but it's not something that you need to like loop yourself into unless you want to be in that loop. Yeah. I, I'm sorry. I'm just kind of like trailing off cause it's like long form, dude. It's all good, man. Um, I, I would really say the, no, the, the appeals to authority too just goes with the environment that we're currently in, man. It, it's not, you know, I hear a lot of folks say, um, you know, it's like, you, you know, freedom of speech, I'm all for it, but you know, there's consequences to your freedom of speech. And it's just like, okay, Roger that there's consequences. Good. Um, but also too, it's like, um, it's just I don't, such I don't a know. shitty thing to say <laughs> you know like it's like a threat you know people say that as like a threat it's well just, it's a it's a digit you know it's it's censorship and what what do you expect you know yeah that's why i don't want my background info on here dude i don't want to get like fucking canceled because i said something out of hand and i i don't really have a good filter and i apologize for that to your audience because i know oh, you dude, have like we're, academics we're all... and like smart guys no, the, most of our, our our audience are, are are grunts, man. 
And, and you know, oh, that's okay. the whole point of the, you know, the, uh, you know, this project was started off as, as a, you know, I'm, I'm writing my second book right now. Uh, and it has to deal with, you know, mental health, uh, the secure and operating oh. environment, how it's changed, um, how suicide has impacted the community. And essentially what I wanted to do was just interview people that were going to be in the book. And this, this vato right here in front of me, uh, Polly, um, you know, kind of, uh, set the, set the tone and, and we liked it and it morphed into something beyond both of us, which is good and very much needed in the community as far as narrative mediation goes. And I will always contend with folks who have something to say about whatever it is that we might be saying, um, because again, you know, that's the whole point, you know, in terms of like the, the research that I'm doing and just the overall idea of, of dialogue and conversation in, in today's sociopolitical climate is that you have to have opposing views. You have to have uh, challenges to specific things without that. There is no room for growth. Now, <clears throat> as far as what people are concerned and upset about, uh, if it, if it seems to me that it's coming from a, a mainstream narrative well, then let's sit down for four or five hours and we'll hash this out and I will show you how it is that brain or how it is that subcortical regions in your brains and neurotransmitters um, retrofit, you know, what we call inter-narrative components and how you view a certain thing is having a psychophysiological response to what it is that you're seeing. You know, I'll go all into that. And Oh, yeah, again, all that stuff's a complete psyop for sure. So that's good that you're getting into that. So, you know, my, my whole thing is, is like, I, you know, sometimes I myself, like there's places I think I even talked about this uh, with Polly, um, dude, it, it feels like I have to watch what I say now and I don't like that. It sucks. Uh, and you know, it's not like I ever said anything like radical or anything like that. The fact, you know, it's like, like, for example, like, you know, mentioning the, Marine, uh, the mission of the Marine Corps rifle squad, you know, to locate clothes with destroy the enemy by fire maneuver to repel the enemy's assault, you know, our job was to kill, you know, the enemy. And now all of a sudden I can't say that because it's like, it's traumatic to people. Why? Because we went into this 20 year or 20 plus year war. There were, there, there was very little positive outcome as a result of it. There are strategic failures. There's also this opposing view to how toxic masculinity is today. And part of it is because warriors, um, you know, follow through with the idea of quiet professionalism. And as a result of it, you have pathogenic individuals that arose out of the muck of this censorship that gave, you know, platforms to everybody that, you know, and that's, you know, that's a whole other argument in itself, but it gave insecure, um, lack, lack of leadership, you know, frames for individuals to rise into positions where then, they ended up getting a constituency that led to a lot of the things that we're seeing today. And, you know, that's part of the problem, you know, and I like having open dialogue. I like, I like to hear other people's story. Um, sometimes, you know, the platform gives them the opportunity to share things that they never shared uh, ever in their entire life or whatever share. And it gives them that opportunity and for them to be judged uh, and to feel and suffer a certain way for feeling to, you know, having to feel, you know, having to feel like they're being censored, uh, dude, is not American whatsoever, you know, and, what, you know, that's another argument in itself, you know, what is it to be an American, you know, freedom. And so 
I like to think that this is a, you know, not to be like to adopt the language, but dude, this is a, a place, you know, this is the forum. This is where we hash things out. This is where we talk about the real life shit that otherwise wouldn't be talked about anywhere else. And, you know, I know that two thirds of the world isn't like America or some parts of America where it's safe. It's brutal. It's ugly. You know, it's fucking vicious. And if you're not of the right mindset or don't have that network of the right mindset, then guess what? You will be a victim. And then There's it goes parts on. in America that are vicious. Too. Yeah, for like sure. It's, and I think people are slowly waking up to the, to the, the realities of, um, they, I kind of got like, if I call the cops, like it's going to take a minute, dude. Like it's going to take like a good hot minute for them to get to my house, regardless of if you live in like nice suburbia or if you live in like a war zone, like Chicago or Houston or something like that. Like a cop isn't going to be able to stop me from getting like brutally murdered and carjacked. And that's like a daily occurrence in a lot of places that are like really suffering from like uh, essentially like criminal over like oversaturation of like you know like the police can't even keep up with it and people are like holy shit dude like i could just get like a you know i hate to keep doing that but like i could get like a mob at my door in suburbia or i could get carjacked or like ruthlessly just beaten on the streets or there's a lot of things and like also you know integrating as like a a a service member like if you ever experience any kind of like a you know, war or training or anything, kind of like differentiating those uh, those threat levels to uh, to like be like, okay, well, what what is my operational readiness for like, you know, just going into town? I live in Houston, and it's like that might be different for, you know, up here in Oregon where I don't need to take a gun into town in my little shit kicker town. You know, I, I can get away with going to bread, but in Houston that might not be the case, in Chicago that might not be the case, or like East Coast, like Portland, it's not the case. So. There's there's a lot of things to consider, and it's good for that information to get shared. I just I hate that I have to like. Uh, I wish I could just like talk shit and like uh, be as funny as I wanted to be, kind of like. But I, I don't really want that to be my shtick because if I if I get going in that direction, it might uh, it might be uh, end before it. Yeah, dude. <laughs> so I think it's just. <laughs> just a little bit of a little bit of dry humor with the uh with the like operational stuff is fine for me and i think that what you guys are doing is pretty awesome that you guys have had like generals and admirals on and you have some dude that like shit posts and larps and <laughs> everybody's welcome man yeah <laughs> a lot of guys aren't willing to chop it up and it's it's i don't know that's just kind of weird to me maybe it's just my my head but everybody's got something to say everybody's got a story we can all learn from each other like it's i don't i don't know i don't think anybody's too fucking important you know i don't care where you, where you've been or what you've done or how many years of school you have or you know if you can't talk to another human being like a person man i i don't got much space for you in my life i don't think so that's that's t- yeah we're 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 all equals it, 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 and i i really mean that in the sense of like you got to look at like 16 year old and 12 year old kids. It's, it's kind of the Scandinavian approach. And that's just how I was raised. Like those dudes are equals and you can't be like just shitting on them and like telling them like, Oh, you're fucked up in your airsoft gear or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Like you gotta, you gotta be like little homie, like check it out. Like I'm, and I'm glad you guys are, are doing that. That's pretty, that's pretty fucking rad, you know, but I'm glad you guys have gotten like such 
you doctors and shit, man. Like I could, ah, man, it's impressive. Yeah, just... well, if they they might subscribe to your shit, man. Who knows? Hopefully they do. They learn how to well, run some blickies up, you know. Yeah, yeah, mm. definitely. Yeah. <laughs> do you want to play? I know Jose will tag all your stuff, but you want to shout it out where where people can find you. Yeah, you can on Instagram if you're like you, you have to have a, a wide sense of humor because I'll post just intrusive thoughts. That's trash fire actual. And then uh the TikTok <laughs> is the same trash fire actual, and I believe the YouTube at this point is stationed at trash fire actual too. You can also find me by looking up my name, Lee Novotny, L-E-E-N-O-V-O-T-N-Y. Um, Instagram, TikTok, and probably YouTube, you might be able to find me as that. Uh, any Anything you guys uh, can do to help, share, like, subscribe, I'd really appreciate that. I'll, uh, I'll get the Patreon up eventually and uh, have a mission set for that. Most likely, like I said earlier, that's going to be the logistics of how do you get out to the woods? Where do you find the spots? Um, just kind of insights into what I do and, like, the backside, like, Cocking targets, what targets to get, you know, gear, shit like that, sustainment. And I think those are those are the biggest things that people are really, really wanting to pay for over like, you know, going to a tactical carving course or some shit like that. Is like how to set this up for yourself. Because um most people want to do this. And I get a lot of people that are like, hey, can I come out and do this with you? And uh for the vast overwhelming majority of the time, the answer is going to be no, and I'm sorry. But I just, I have my peeps. And, like, if you get into the circle, sure. And we might have, like, in the future, kind of like uh, Patreon uh, subscribers at a certain amount will get to come out with us. We got to obviously, like, back vet them and stuff. And we can hands-on show them how to do this for their own situation. Because the biggest thing is not just jumping on my thing, but, like, doing it for yourself instead of like, Hey, I want to come out and train with you. And like, I'll fly across the country to do this shit. This looks hardcore and cool. Like is to just being able to replicate what I do on your own, on your own terms, in your own environment, being able to Q and a S specifics of your area. We can help you find stuff. We're pretty good at land nav. I've been to the East coast, West coast, uh, Texas, Midwest, like, I know a lot of cool spots and I know how to find cool spots. So I think that will be like the pay barrier is where to get those, uh, where to get or how to do what I'm doing, uh, with, with feedback from us, like to where we can guide you and consult you on doing that on your own. But, um, definitely that's probably, that's probably like the, the pinnacle, the, the driving goal of this current project is to set that up, get that, uh, get that, uh archived uh digitally with film and stuff like that um and then putting the logistics and how to kind of behind a paywall so i can recoup some of the money i spend on this and get even better shit so i can show you guys cooler shit and better spots and stuff like that i like the basic stuff man so yeah i appreciate it cool yeah definitely guys i appreciate you guys having me on man i'm sorry if i uh derailed anything or said anything out of pocket again (laughs) no dude No, Um, I'm going to start. I'm going to stop recording. Thank you for listening to our episode. We look forward to next week as we introduce the O3XX series lab, where we discuss artificial intelligence, the weaponization of artificial intelligence and navigating what we consider ultra compounded spaces.